right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. This is the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network. Uh, 405-651-3439. Here's, here's a couple thoughts on this. Uh, this from the 405. His knee wasn't down yet. In other words, the play was still alive. It, no. Sorry. Not buying it. If you're giving up your body in the corner of an end zone like that and your knee is almost down, you can't go over and blast someone. If that was a quarterback that that happened to, they would have kicked that dude out of the game. Plank, I yeah, I think even with all of that and going back and Zapruder filming it, they're right. The knee wasn't totally down or was just about to be down when the hit was applied, but it's still unnecessary roughness. And frankly, it could have been a targeting ejection. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I was shocked that that flag was picked up. Shocked. Um, but here was, here was one that I don't know if I necessarily agree with. And I see this a lot, and I understand it, and I get it. But – do you know what is more disturbing than picking that flag up is that none of our guys on defense went over there and smoked that guy that hit him. Dude, I understand that. I get that. How does that make anything better? Well, then then we'd be sitting here talking about, oh, they compounded the mistake and gave him the free first and goal. <laughs> it's – yeah, it's just not perfect. And I get it. You want to see guys go to bat for each other and and fight for Oklahoma, and we're sure. not going to take this. And we, we all get the the theory on it, right? I but understand. you don't want to give up first and goal there. And it's smart to not get into this big dust-up in that moment. Do you know what we would have done in my hood? I would have gone out there, and I would have punched that guy in the face. We're not letting him punk my teammate. Great. So, in addition to not getting the flag, uh, you would have been ejected from the game, <laughs> and and it was uh, an automatic first down. Well, they got the first down anyway. Right. So, I just I, – I understand that. I get that. There's it's just – There's moments where that applies, and I don't have a good example of when – when is a good moment and when's a bad moment? That wasn't the right mo- moment, I don't think, to go be an enforcer. No, no, no. There, there's, there's moments where you look at it and you're like, okay, this makes sense. I'm glad that guy did what he did. That was a complete and total cheap shot. But, you know, to, to me, I don't – things aren't going well to begin with, Josh. I don't know <laughs> I don't know if you exasperate – exasperate? Exasperate? Exacerbate. Something, something like that. You make them even worse whenever you're in a situation that, yeah, you're going to go ahead and get dinged up uh, and cost your team not just 15 more yards, but also potentially get yourself kicked from the game. Um, so now we're fighting about this. Here's it. Uh, Nick was clearly down, and it was targeting. Hit him in the head or neck area. Someone's mad that Brent Venables didn't get mad about it. I think in that case, BV was more mad about, remember all those freshmen you want to have play, all these young guys? Yeah, one of them jumped off sides on a fourth down and 10, or fourth and 15. A little pushing and shoving would have been suffice, in my opinion. I don't – dude, these are grown-ass men that are out there playing football. You just think he's going to walk and be like, yeah, take that. 
Oh, take that. That's not how it works. You're running hot. Something bad would have happened. Um, yeah, this is good. Same for the fair catch. Just because a player calls one doesn't mean you can't hit him before he catches it. <laughs> that was bad. Yeah. <laughs> Can we use brass knuckles next time? I mean, <laughs> the funny thing is something, something like that. All right, this is to me just in watching this. Uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line roll like a slot machine now that we've brought this thing up. How dare they not go over there and start something with that guy? They're trying to be a more disciplined football team, and they had already made a critical mistake. A critical mistake. Why, why would you add to it by going over there and playing Barney Badass? Sorry, language. Mr. Tough Guy, or whatever. Get. Hey, what, are, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Well, well and the, the big thing for me is not even did Oklahoma lose the game because of that play? No. no. Neither of us are trying to sit here and, you know, try and say that or talk about it as being this massive play in the football game, though. Probably you could make that argument if you wanted to. My big beef is don't sit here and tell me that you care about player safety right. when. You allow an unnecessary roughness that was clear and egregious as an unnecessary roughness. I mean, we got something sent to us that's from Terry McCauley here, uh, Sunday Night Football Rules expert, that says, yeah, I mean, look, his knee wasn't down, but it's clearly that he's clearly a player that's given himself up, and it's a, an unnecessary roughness penalty. So don't sit there and be on your high and mighty throne of, oh, we care about player safety. No, you don't. Well, I, I honestly <laughs> This is a whole take for Saturday and Sunday, uh, or excuse me, Thursdays and Fridays, whenever it's the summer. I don't think fans care about player safety either. I don't. You want to act all outraged on certain things with uh, concussions, like, oh, we got to take care of concussions. You don't care. Because then you'd bitch if they'd start, gosh, man, my language today, Josh. I need my teams to start winning. <laughs> all right? You're really frustrated today. That's okay. <laughs> I understand. My gosh, what is wrong? I'm, try- I'm trying to watch my language, peeps. I really am. I really am. Um, Sorry, Pastor Adam. My, yeah, exactly. Sorry, Pastor Adam, Pastor Mike, uh, Papa T. I'm trying to think of all the preachers that are really mad at me today. I've got a boatload of them. But <laughs> my football teams are not good, so – Sorry, but I, I would add, Josh, just, you know, you get into these situations where fans want to act like all of a sudden, well, you know, we got to protect these guys from concussions. And where's, you know, player safety. You don't care about player safety. You don't at all. If a guy is, if a guy is out because, well, they're, they, they, you know, he's not, he's not doing well with a, like an, a foot. They're going to give him an extra week. Oh, what? <laughs> How soft is he? How soft is he? Not? Listen to what people say about Kyler when he doesn't play. Oh, well, you got to tough through and play through. I lost all respect for him when he didn't tough through and fight through that shoulder injury last year. Nobody cares about player safety. They care about it when they want to act outraged about something. So just it's almost in line, Josh, that the Big 12 and that officiating crew proved it. And I thought, you know, I think that's a pretty good crew. I think David Alvarez and his crew, I think that's a pretty good crew. But – yeah, that was a very, a very egregious miss on that personal foul against C.J. Cole. And that's right. a fair point. I mean, look, referees are human, right? I mean, oh sure, yeah. It's uh, it's easy to get caught up, and it's a big. Uh, it it does bother me that 
you know, we get told about player safety. Oh, and I agree like with you. That, you know, gets gets through the cracks or whatever. But it's probably a nice reminder from you that, in fact, these referees are humans. Yep. And they, this was, in fact, a good crew that is entitled. Well, not necessarily entitled, but every once in a while, look, you make a mistake, right? Or you get a call wrong. I thought they, I thought they kept the flag in their pocket for a majority of the day. I thought they let him play a bit. Plank the like tank that. dropping all the wordy nerds today. I'm just I'm in a terrible place right now, people. What I how did I put it earlier? I could not be everything's great. Like <laughs> like my, my even though I haven't my son is has been in North Carolina doing some work with like their their UN group with West Point, so he's he's crushing it. You know, my daughters are doing real well. I'm I'm happy. Things are great. It's like I'm excited to go home and you know, Mondays are kind of my afternoon off to write, but I'm just, in everything sports-wise, I'm just, rrr, rrr, angry. Doesn't make for good radio. All right, so let's get our top five takeaways from Saturday. As always, presented by Newcastle Casino. Now, in this place, starting tomorrow, we'll have our top five stories of the day, which will recap all things beyond just Sooner football. So, um, here we go. Big takeaway. Oh, first of all, it's brought to you by Newcastle Casino, our top five stories of the day. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. All right, Newcastle Casino, newcastlecasino.com. Check them out. Um, they've got a great sports bar, daily happy hours, um, all the table games you could want. NewcastleCasino.com. Rewards for members as well. All right, big takeaway number five. Number five. (sighs) Help me, because I'm not trying to be negative. Is Dylan Gabriel that dude? Is he... I mean, as someone put it earlier, I was talking about, man, I want to see a player go Derek Carr. I want to see a player that is riled up and lets us know he's emotional about this. Should it be your quarterback? I don't know. Is, is Dylan Gabriel that guy? His inconsistencies at time are pretty enraging, right? But we all if we all get excited about Jackson Arnold and his future. But where's your confidence level at right now in Dylan Gabriel? Because what I wrote here in big takeaway number five, I'm very forgiving, and I brought up the elements because of that. West Virginia didn't beat OU throwing the football, though they had a couple of big throws. They just they just ran Gage Green and had success with it. But, Josh, in your opinion, I mean, is your confidence in Gabriel Shook? In terms of him being able to lead this team to a Big 12 championship? Sure. I mean, maybe even there, yeah, to some degree. Okay. To some degree, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely don't think he's the guy that – is going to lead Oklahoma to a, a national championship. Hmm. And, and look, to even utter the words national championship right now, before I see the text start flooding in, I'm not saying or living in fairy tale land where this program gets flipped around in one season and goes and is in contention for a national championship next season. I'm just saying the bar for Oklahoma is national championships, right? And I don't see Dylan Gabriel as quote unquote that dude. Hmm. Hmm. Number four. Number four. Something's, you know, that that term disconnect has unfortunately been constant amongst 
my teams that I root for. Where is the disconnect? Where is the disconnect between Dylan Gabriel and Marvin Mims right now? And big story number four wasn't meant to pile on Dylan Gabriel. It was more meant to just wonder, well, what's what's going on with Marvin? I almost feel like since the TCU game. Now, he's had, don't get me wrong, he had the big game against Kansas, right? He's had some big outings. But I just, there's been too many un-Marvin Mims type plays. I mean, four catches, 98 yards, still phenomenal, right? And they had a big play, but they had a big play that kind of, you know, at the time felt like it was going to help catapult the Sooners. But it's only three 100-yard receiving games this year. He He's only registered four touchdowns. Some egregious drops, some so close to big plays. I mean, I know that he's had two of his three 100-yard games since, but I almost feel like, Josh, things haven't been right with Marvin since can, uh, since TCU when he had that opening play interception. All right, fumble, excuse me. I know. It's uh, just puzzling. Another piece of this kind of broken Oklahoma season is when you've got your, if not your best player, arguably right there in the conversation as your best player, at times just inexplicably not playing well or inexplicable drops, and that's just kind of been the story of the thing. Not that Mims has just been outright bad. I don't think that that's the case at all. But he's been, at times, a part of some of Oklahoma's failures, which is, uh, I guess, just again the mark of a team that things just aren't going great for right now. Okay. I agree. All right, number three. Number three. The effort's there. I, um, I, I, don't, I don't see this that some of you are on Twitter and on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. I don't feel like it's a team that's tapped out. I really don't. Is there going to be fine-tuning to figure out, all right, who's who's in this thing for the long term? What's the – is there going to be a lot of hard questions asked during the offseason? You bet. But I haven't necessarily seen, Josh, any players where I'm like, ooh, that dude quit, or, or that guy's not engaged. I feel like the effort and engagement is still there. It might go back to what you said. Man, it's just not that good. Yeah. Uh, said that very softly, by the way. <laughs> that's a scary thing, right? Right. Is that th- then you get into the, okay, well, why are they not very good? Is there blame on the previous coaching staff? And, you know, that's its own thing to where people are like, I'm sick of sick of people blaming Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch. This is on Venables. And, yeah. I, You're right. I think there's it's a fun. layer to this to where it's, look, it's not that this team's not trying to play its tail off for you. They're just not great in a it's lot not, of spots. It's not registering. It's not, it's not clicking. All right, um, number two. Number two. Positivity? You ready for some positivity? Oh, yeah. Anyone want some positivity? I think everybody does. Eric Gray's having a year now. And it's kind of funny when you think back to 
the preseason because everyone – and Javante Barnes looks really good. But everybody was ready for Javante Barnes. Everybody was ready for Javante Barnes. And he looks good, right? I'm excited for Javante Barnes' future. 25 carries, 211 yards. That's now four straight games of over 100 yards rushing. Likely has earned him spot, uh, earned himself a spot in the uh, Reese's Senior Bowl. Seven of the ten games this season, he's been over 100 yards, and he's, you know, he averaged eight yards per carry, seven touchdowns in the last four games. Tell me where you had on the bingo board Eric Gray having the breakout season and being the big bright spot for this team heading out of a, a, a Week 10 loss in West Virginia because he's been that dude, Josh. You know, I sent out a tweet at the end of the game that basically was along the lines of, man, hey, in a lot of ways this is a lost season, right? There's few positives from this 2022 year. And one of the first responses, go figure, was, there's been no positives. And I said, Hold up, hold up. I almost typed that out to begin with, but really that's not fair to guess who? To Eric Gray and a couple of other individual Sooners that have had incredible seasons. And to your point, Plank, yes, Eric Gray has been he's been tremendous. He's made himself some cash, no mm-hmm. doubt, this year. And, you know, it's crazy to say, but on a game where he carried it 25 times, man, I almost wish he had carried it 35 times. Yep, uh, agreed. Agreed 100%, which gets us to big story, number our big takeaway, number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. All right. Um, It's still the details. They're just not – they're not connecting in the, in, in the fine details. And I know that's now uh, triggering, triggering words for Sooner fans. Are you ready? Um, culture, details, um, little things, one step here. You know, all these, no one wants to hear them, but those, they're still making the same mistakes that they've been making for seven weeks, seven to the last eight weeks when they've had games, right? Even in wins. And it's everyone, but it's, Josh, it's still happening. It's still happening, and that's just – it's shocking. It really truly is, right? It's shocking. Yeah, for things to just have unraveled in the fashion to which this season has unraveled is is a shock. And, and OU's better than 5-5. Five and five. They are. I know that we can sit here and talk about a bunch of the problems that this team has, and I can hop on the radio and tell you, guys, kind of just maybe a bad football team right now. They still can be better than this, and, and they're not, and – there's no real good answer for it other than it's a combination of guys got to play better and they need to get more talent. Uh, Drake Dykin has informed me that the Texas Tech game is a 6-30 kick. A 6-30 kick for Oklahoma and Texas Tech. Primetime uh, double dip to close the season. After getting every single road start at 11 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, I got to go. Josh, how about four segments with Miguel Chavis today? It's all Miguel Chavis on Coach's Corner, so let's go. When we come back, Connor and Josh will read the best of the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, We'll be in studio tomorrow right here on The Ref. 
Back with you. Final hour. It's the Plank Show. Final hour presented by Mop and Roofing. Josh Elmer welcoming in Connor Pasby as we are off to do. On Mondays throughout the football season, obviously Sooners lose it. This past weekend, 23-20 to versus a not good West Virginia team, right? First moment uh, really this season I think you look at and say, oh, no. Oklahoma's officially a bad football team, and I know Oklahoma's officially a bad football team because I just I just saw them do some stinky bad things versus a stinky bad West Virginia team. Still got time to uh, welcome all of you into the show, by the way. Would love to just for the next half hour. We've got a ton. You guys have been filling it up all morning long on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. I'd like to just spend the rest of the show responding to a lot of what you guys have said out there but if you want to call directly that'd be great let's just let's start filling the phone lines up the rest of the way here riverwind casino jackpot line 405-329-9000 josh elmer connor pasby which before we roll the rest of the way forward here connor good morning good morning josh where are you at man how you feeling this is uh i mean five and five football team it's uncharted waters for a lot of us what do you make out of this weekend? I've had a lot to say, obviously, this morning. You're just hopping on the mic, so where are you at? Uh, yeah, just what was not pretty Saturday. I mean, you had a 10 uh, nothing lead late in the first half, and then West Virginia gets their first touchdown in the game, and then, man, that sparked just everything in the second or the second half. It was just completely opposite for OU. The defense played all right for, I'd say, three quarters. And the offense just couldn't help them out. They just couldn't put together complimentary football like we've talked about uh, for the last two to three weeks now. It, it was just it was really hard to watch uh, Saturday. Yeah, and for if, me. If, if you would have told me that uh, Gray rushed for over 200 yards and they played turnover-free football, I thought they would have won the game easily. What if I told you that the first six series of the game, defensively, you got to stop? That too, yeah. You would have said, oh, man, how much did we win by? But obviously that's not what transpired in Morgantown. If I told you that Oklahoma, late in the contest, after falling behind 13-12, regained the lead 20-13, to you probably would have said, all right, cool. Cool. Find a way to win that game. Instead, instead West Virginia ends it on a – I'm pretty sure you guys talked about it already, but a 15-play – over six minutes, Josh. Plenty of chances to get off the field in. Just couldn't allow West Virginia to chew up all the time for a last-minute field goal. Yeah, it. I put more blame for this one at the feet of the offense. I just do. And I know that defensively, I'm, I'm going to pull up the drive summaries here for West Virginia. I know that Oklahoma had stops on the first – Six defensive possessions, and then let's see here. Dating back to the final possession of the first half, touchdown. Th- this These are West Virginia's drives, by the way. Touchdown, punt, touchdown, touchdown, punt. Uh, and then what you mentioned there, 15-play, 65-yard drive that chews up the final 624 field goal to win the ball game. So, hey, I get it. Four out of the last six drives, three of which were touchdowns, West Virginia scores on, okay? And they bleed out the rest of the 
clock remaining in the game with a big 15-play, 65-yard drive. Having said that, man, I, I've been preaching this all morning long. Right now, where this defense is at, we actually saw, again, similar, and maybe it's just that West Virginia's bad, though. Offensively, this West Virginia team going into this game was Not pretty very good. good. Well, but they were pretty good at home. At home, yes, at home. Now, granted, yeah, I'm with you. Look, are, are they one of the best offenses that Oklahoma's seen this year? No, and it took swapping the quarterbacks to figure some things out, getting to Garrett Green in Oklahoma after some initial stops versus Green. They, they didn't have an answer for him running the football and throwing the football. They did not have an answer for Green playing quarterback, and he winds up being the guy in this game that's really both ways, ultimately as good as Eric Gray was, you have to say the quarterback green for West Virginia is who went and was the difference-making performer in this win for West Virginia. So as many problems as Oklahoma had had defensively, man, I just don't know that you're, you're going to get much better than that, than what this defense gave you, and yet you find a way to final drive, not come away with the stop that you needed. You can't win the game Again, all of that encompassed in a poor finish to the game defensively. I have to lay more blame at the feet of the offense because that's the unit that we expect to be good. Expect it to be – and keep in mind here, I'm not saying great. I don't expect this offense to be great. You expect it to be good, and they really hung that defense out to dry on Saturday. Well, that's that's been the story this season, though. We haven't seen – great defensive performances but when we do at times and they get the ball back to the offense they just can't do anything with it there were so many three and outs after the defense got a stop and that just hurts and man that connection with Gabriel and Mims just really has not been working this season as to what we expected coming into the year you had the drop touchdown pass by Mims and then once again a few balls that's just overthrown by Gabriel and not giving Mims a chance to go up and make a play on it. West Virginia to this point, West Virginia in Big 12 play at home has scored 42, 43, and 31. OU defense gave up only 23. West Virginia at home has given up uh, 55, 40, and 41. Oklahoma scored 20. I don't think just, defense was the problem. No, it just it, it does not make it does not make any sense how that uh, how you put up. Uh, 10 points at halftime and yeah, end up with 20 points in the game to West Virginia defense that's been giving up a lot a lot of points this year. It doesn't make sense, right? Except it makes perfect sense. It's the mark. This is big takeaway from the game. And feel however you want to feel about it. It's time for some serious conversations about what this means for Brent Venables and for Oklahoma. Patience is running out, people. It's just year one. I get that. The team's five and five. I'm not saying I'm not saying be prepared to move on from Brent tomorrow. I'm not saying be prepared to make all these wide-ranging changes across the board with the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. But it's time to say, is this about to get better? Is this about to get better? Right? The rest of the season, Oklahoma has to show some progress. How many weeks have I sat up here and asked this question with you? When is Oklahoma going to show some progress? Can Oklahoma show some tangible progress? Okay, well, they did defensively this week, and the offense backslid and lost the football game for you. Why is that? Because it's a bad football team, Connor. And that falls on who? 
That falls on Brent Venables, and it falls on the rest of the coaching staff. Yeah, the player personnel, it is what it is. You can lay some blame on the previous coaching staff, but you can also say transfer portals outside of Dylan Gabriel, kind of a collective miss right across the board in a lot of ways for Oklahoma. Not the difference makers across the board defensively that you were hoping that you found. So that's got to get corrected this offseason. The patience is gone. The rest of this season and into next, it's time to start winning football games, and it's time for this culture that we're all waiting on and expecting to turn the corner. It's time to turn that corner. Yeah, you want to see some fight and grit to season two. I liked what uh, your brother your brother Joey Helmer uh, tweeted. He said, at what point do you sit here and say, I'm better than this dude, and just go make a play? Oklahoma has a lot of dudes that don't want to have that mindset right now. And he's spot on on that. There was plenty of chances where the guys are in the right spot to go make a play. Like on that fourth down where West Virginia went for it, the fake punt. You had guys right there to go make a tackle and get the stop and uh, make them turn it over on downs. Instead, they all overrun the ball and they pick up a first down and keep the drive going. It's plays like that. They need to step up and step up and make a play. We're doing a break. I see you out there on the phone lines, people. So let's get it going. Phone lines, text messages, we're rolling through them next. It's the Plank Show, Hour 3, brought to us by Mop and Roofing. It's, you're frustrated. Sooner Nation is frustrated. You've got a right to be frustrated. Five and five. And, again, like I said last week, there's no tonic like winning. This program is desperate. Desperate this week in Bedlam to get back on the right side of things. Desperate to close the season. To just win a couple of football games and restore any type of optimism for this program. Because I got news for you. It ain't unthinkable anymore that this team's losing each of these last two games and missing a bowl game altogether. That's on the table right now, realistically, for this program. That's you know, you could make an argument this morning that that's maybe more likely for Oklahoma than winning either of these two games. I think OU's going to win Bedlam this week. That's just me, but why Why do I feel confident? I don't know. I don't have, I, a, good, I don't either. I don't have a good explanation for you on that. Let's take a break. Your phone calls next. It's the Plank Show right here, the home of Sooner fans. A couple more segments, then we'll hand it off to Steelman and Thune at noon, so you'll want to stick around the Ref Radio Network for that right here, the home of Sooner fans. Moppin' Roofing brings us hour number three, Josh Elmer. The Josh and Connor Show right now on the Plank Show. He's Connor Pasby. I'm Josh Elmer. Real quick before we hop to the phone lines, this is good and it's a fair critique. Helmer, give a list of players that OU should have picked up in the portal December 2021. Well, good point. I need to sit down and compile that list for you. Talking about defensively or offensively? Uh, defensively is what I'm talking about, man. When I say they've, they whiffed a little bit, I'm talking Jonah Laulu. Laulu, uh, I'm talking Jeffrey Johnson, right? I mean, I'm talking those guys. Trey Morrison, C.J. Colden, I think has done some. He's some done nice all right when he came in, but uh, it, it's not been this slam dunk. And to that point, I, I don't have that list for you. So, got me right on that front. You got me. I, I can't sit here and just say, "Hey, they, they screwed this thing up. They didn't get who they got in the transfer portal." It's really a commentary on. A couple of things, right? The transfer portal is nice. You can plug a couple of gaps with it. There probably is a defensive star or two out there that Oklahoma could have gotten that went somewhere else. Or maybe not even that Oklahoma could have gotten, but that a different program got, right? There's star power to be found out of the transfer portal maybe, right? But it's a good exercise in that 
the lifeblood of your program is still recruiting. It's who's in this 2023 class. It's who's going to be in the 2024 class after that. 25, you get it. 26, so on. And it's how those guys develop. Somebody says, should have picked up Drew Sanders, outside linebacker. It's a good point. I mean, I... The, the two defensive linemen, the Lalulu and uh, Jeffrey Johnson, especially the Jeffrey Johnson kicks, we saw a lot of good things from him at Tulane, especially against the game, the opener game against OU. But, man, neither one of them have, have really been a factor. I haven't really been impressed with Jeffrey Johnson much at all up in the front. I think there's one component missing this from the text line, by the way. I think there's one component missing from arguments about details and lack of it. Generally, people focus only on two things, the message or the messenger. There is, however, a third component. It's those receiving the message. If you ask me, Brent would have benched quite a few of these players if he had the depth to actually do it. Yeah. There's just not much depth, though. (laughs) That's the thing. Well, or if they felt like said depth was prepared to go out there and play better than the guys in front of them. For anybody that wants a bunch of young guys out there playing, I don't think that Brent Venables is in the business of playing uh, guys that aren't as good just to play guys that aren't as good to go lose football games. They think the guys that they're playing are their best options, and hopefully the young guys improve, right? Hopefully they develop and get better because right now, if you're looking for this guy defensively or a couple of players offensively, coaching staff's not prepared to put them out there right now, and probably for good reason. Okay, let's uh, head to the phone lines while they've been hanging on. Sorry to keep you waiting. True is uh, up first. What's up, True? What's going on, man? Good morning. Well, well, there's uh, you know, we got to give Brent three years. You don't want to lose this class any faster than you're already losing it. Um, and that would just be that would set the whole program back three years. But now you got to give him three years. You got to let him get his guys in there. Um, it is a little concerning. We look around the rest of the country and see what the Joneses are doing, and, and there are first-year coaches landing. Uh, you know, at Oregon comes to my mind first off that are that are not using that excuse center that are on the edge of the playoffs right now. So, I mean, you can use that all you want to, but they've got to get this thing going. Now, you, you had a show, I want to say it was August, it was either July or August, where you asked what do you want to see differently happen going into the season and I said I called in and said you know I want to feel comfortable on third and 17 that we're going to get off the field I mean that was my main that was my main number one thing is I wanted to feel comfortable thinking okay we got them I had no idea that Saturday when it was fourth and 15 I thought to myself even before the the five yard off I thought they're going to pick this up well and that's that's been a common thread these last couple of weeks is it's not even third downs it's it's fourth downs that yeah. have been an absolute yeah. killer and flat out you've just got to get better right and I, I think the the number one way Oklahoma can help itself the the running quarterback thing we talked about this on the podcast side John and I did running quarterbacks have given Oklahoma fits this season when you you go up and down just the year itself right how can you get better in that regard what's one way to get better at it man Better edge guys, better defensive tackles to keep a quarterback honest, right? To keep those contained lanes. And then better linebacker play to go get the quarterback when he decides to take off. And so all of that is to get back to the point of Oklahoma's just got to get better, right? These fourth downs that it's like, why can they not get off the field? 
Got to get better personnel, man. I don't know what it is about the misdirection plays, but I've seen this. Maybe you know, I've seen this happen at least four big misdirection plays. Saw it against Kansas State. We saw it against Baylor. Saw it a couple times. Why is it that these guys are over pursuing? And I'm not a coach. I mean, I'm just watching it as a as a dumb fan. But why is it that these guys are over pursuing? And there's nobody at, stays at home. I mean, we're talking about humongous 55 yard plays. Uh, you know, game game winning plays. Uh, you know, like I said, Mar- Martinez did it. Baylor did it. I, I just don't understand why are these guys – I mean, surely they're being told, you know, not all of 11 of you guys go to the right side of the field. Let's keep a couple of guys – I mean, I don't know. Can you explain that one? Yeah, they're undisciplined is how I can explain it. The message of what they're being taught is not being received. It's not, not getting learned, right? And then poor execution. It's really as simple as that. And ultimately, who does that fall on? I've said it all morning long. And probably it's going to be the remainder of this week until Oklahoma starts winning again. And probably, like I said earlier this morning, True, it's going to be an off season of it's going to be an off season of infighting. It's going to be an off season of mal content within the program and from the fan base because look, the team's not disciplined. That's why they over-pursue. The team's not well-coached, right? It falls on Brent Venables and the rest of this coaching staff to go get this team to improve, and they haven't. Well, what speed they've got. They're, the coaches have the coaches on the other team, what, what speed OU's got, their linebacker, linebackers and their, and their linemen. And stuff, they figured out that and, – and, you know, they figured out that they are, they are running to one side of the field and it's open on the – I mean, and it's just – it's happened, and, and it's it's weird that it's happened in in crunch times. Well, winning time. winning moments, right? I mean, bad football teams don't make winning, winning plays moments. in winning moments. Bad football yeah. teams make losing plays in uh, winning moments, and unfortunately, that's been the end of the equation that Oklahoma's been on. That's we'll who they are right now. Okay, hey, thanks, Drew. Do a final timeout. Come back and put a bow tie on it. It's the Plank Show right here on the Rev. One final time, mop and roofing. We're back, Plank Show. Hey. In case you missed it this morning, Jeremy Crabtree of On3 Sports tossed this out there. This is On3 NIL, okay? It's their name, image, likeness account for On3, which On3 is kind of the one of the recruiting sites that has the has the name, image, likeness valuations attached to recruits, so... Take from that what you will, but here's the tweet that they sent out earlier. With help from Oklahoma President Joseph Harris Jr., Sooner AD and Coach Venables, NIL Collective Crimson and Cream launched an ambitious fundraising campaign with a goal of raising $3 million in 30 days. Hashtag Boomer Sooner. Details from Jeremy Crabtree. And uh, the story itself says that there's an Oklahoma donor that for the next 30 days is – willing to match Oklahoma fans, each Oklahoma fans, $25 monthly donation fee is what it would be, I guess, the monthly donation to uh, this uh, Crimson and Cream collective. So, look, I I just am curious the question here. Realistically, what does Oklahoma need on the name, image, likeness front annually 
in your mind to sign and field the type of classes to go play for and win an SEC championship and a national championship? Because th- what they're wanting is $3 million generated over the next month. Can that be done? I, I-, I don't know. I mean, that's a, lot, that's a lot of money to do so with it. Well, and it sounds like they've got a, a serious donor willing to match Sooner fans. I think the, they did the math on it, and it's 4,250 OU fans, basically, that they need in the next 30 days to do the $25 monthly fee in order for it to reach that $3 million goal. Now, fans are caught here in between this thing where it's, okay, I pay for season tickets, I pay for this, I pay for that, I pay for the, you know, pay-per-view game. Do I have to keep paying for name, image, and likeness collectives? And how much is enough, right? Because probably eventually it's always going to be more, more, more from a player's perspective. Oh, well, I'm getting this from this school or that school, and I want or need that to come to OU. So what what is the amount? When is enough to get to the point to where you are competitive with everybody else in in college football? I th- I think you're fine in NIL or NIL. You think uh, OU's fine yeah, right now? I think yes, you're still going to get guys in. You're you're still going to be able to put together a top 10 class. I I, I think they're fine money money-wise and NIL-wise. I think they could uh if nothing else be more organized as Plank touched on last week, that we got to get these collectives on the same page at Oklahoma. That way you're not donating 25 here and signing up $15 there. If it was all in one place would be a good start for OU. Bill, I'm sorry I ran out of time to take your phone call here. I just wanted to share that about that Crimson and Cream collective that's out there. That's kind of the big breaking news from this morning. So it is an arms race, and Oklahoma's going to have to get competitive in that front. I just am curious – where does the arms race end? Is Oklahoma good enough in that front right now? What can they do if they're not good enough to fix it? I would say probably step one is getting everything organized. But first things first, man, you want to get recruits to sign with Oklahoma. Oklahoma's got to find a way to start doing better than 5-5. Five and five. Hey, that's it for me. Appreciate all of you guys on the text line and the phone lines filling it up. We'll do it again tomorrow. Plank will be back. For Connor, I'm Josh. So long, everybody.